everything is about coming to that place where whatever the issue is, you genuinely get to the point of feeling that love, self-love, acceptance, or forgiveness for yourself or others involved with the circumstance or the feeling or whatever else. And when you can get to that place, you do truly, truly feel better and differently about things. Welcome to the Unconditionally Worthy Podcast. In this podcast, I will guide you on your journey to connect with the true source of your self-worth. Each week, we'll discuss barriers to unconditional self-worth, the connection between self-worth and relationships, self-worth practices you can apply to your life, and how to use self-worth as a foundation for living courageously. I'm your host, Dr. Adia Gooden, a licensed clinical psychologist, dance enthusiast, and a dark chocolate lover who believes deeply that you are worthy unconditionally. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Today on the episode, I am talking to Teresa Lear-Levine, and she is an expert in the emotional freedom technique, tapping, which sort of integrates cognitive and uh, neurological interventions. And she shares about how this technique is incredibly powerful in terms of healing, overcoming trauma, in terms of regulating the nervous system. And she even talks about how she uses it as someone who has ADHD and as somebody who helps people with ADHD. And she shares about how she feels her ADHD is a superpower, which I just love. So this episode is gonna be incredibly helpful to anyone who's interested in learning about tapping, about EFT, anyone who's experienced neurodivergence or ADHD and wants a different way to frame and understand it. So listen to the episode. And as always, I'd love if you left us a review and let me know what you think. Let's get into the show. So today on the podcast, I have a guest and her name is Teresa Lear Levine. She is the founder of Becoming More Me, where she helps professional women get out of their way and resolve their innermost pains, traumas, and challenges so they can fully enjoy their success and present moments. She does this by using scientifically proven methods that help them to release what's currently holding them back and leverage their perceived weakness into superpowers. By utilizing Teresa's unique approach to the emotional freedom technique, her clients have overcome nervousness and difficult situations such as preparing for big presentations, overcoming their fear of flying, and transitioning through divorce. Teresa's personal struggles with past traumas, high-functioning anxiety, and ADHD kept her in an ego-driven holding pattern of dissatisfaction and stress for longer than she likes to admit. Eventually, it led to exhaustion, insomnia, and a lot of difficulty being present in her own life. All of those negative feelings seemed to melt away when she began cracking the code to her nervous system, taking responsibility for her own well-being, and elevating her consciousness in ways that truly resonated restored her feelings of calm, clarity, and confidence. Teresa is the host of Becoming More Me podcast and lives near Washington, D.C. with her husband, Jeff, and her four boys, as well as their two yellow labs. So welcome to the podcast, Teresa. Very glad to have you here. Thank you, Adia. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Awesome. Well, I'd love to start by having you share a bit about your own self-worth journey. 
Well, I think that our self-worth journey is something that is always ongoing. So I feel like I really came into a deeper understanding with that as I was and because you reflect on your life as you, you know, progress through the years and having been through, uh, I was a child of divorce growing up. There was some different traumas there that I went through. I went through my own divorce in my twenties. Mm. I got remarried. I've had four children. I've had many iterations of my business. And as I entered my forties, I really kind of felt like I could really just value myself in such a new and different way and really appreciate everything that I've been through that has gotten to me this place, mm. to the place that I am now, and just really be able to see that everything's unfolding according to a divine plan, even if I can't see it, and really have that feeling of being whole, complete, and powerful. And I think a lot of that was enriched as I brought emotional freedom techniques in as one of the main modalities that I use both in my own life and my own healing and in my business, because mm. that really brought things full circle for me and allowed me to you know, see myself as greater than, you know, the feelings and the experiences and everything else that my life is made up of. Mm -hmm. Will you tell us about what emotional freedom techniques are and how they helped you on your self-worth journey, how, you know, you use them to help other people? Yeah, absolutely. So emotional freedom techniques, uh, sometimes known as EFT tapping, is kind of like psychological acupressure. So mm. it's a combination of modern psychology and ancient Chinese wisdom that brings in our meridian system, which is the system through which our life force flows in our body. When you go and get a massage or you go to see an acupuncturist or something, they're using these meridian points in your body to release in a lot of times physical pain, but also emotional things as well. And when you combine that with the psychological aspects and you're tapping on these points with your hands, literally there's no needles like with acupuncture when you're doing EFT tapping, which most people are very relieved to hear, <laughs> then it sends a signal to our amygdala. So we get to bypass the, the frontal lobes and things, and we get to go directly to the amygdala, which is where our fight, flight, freeze, fawn, all those things happen. And we get to calm that at the same time as we're calming lots of other things. So we're bringing down our, our cortisol levels, our stress hormones and things mm. very quickly up to 43% in 10 minutes. Like by hmm. just this combination of things, that's significant. And that really helps everything to feel better. EFT is one of the only things I've ever heard of that has these borrowed benefits where, you know, maybe you're focusing on working on one issue or challenge, but as you are, everything's getting better at the same hmm. time, you know, and it also works from a practitioner to a client standpoint where, you know, when I'm working on some with, with someone else. I'm experiencing healing as hmm. I help them because we're both, you know, doing that tapping together and I'm releasing energetic blockages in my own system, even though my focus is completely on them and their traumas or the healing that they're working on. So I loved the modality for that reason, because I I've always enjoyed helping people and doing, you know, coaching and therapy and things like that. But a lot of times it was kind of wore me down. So this was something that actually like restored my energy. I didn't feel burned out and I felt renewed at the end of every day because of the modalities that I was using to help others as well. So mm. we get to, you know, bring down those stress levels and it really resolves the feelings that you have. So, you know, we assess before we go in and do what we call a round of EFT tapping, which is tapping on like nine specific points in a certain sequence while we're talking through the issue. 
And um, once we we do that, we kind of assess how we're feeling again. And people are always amazed at how much can change. I mean, the way that this works on things like fears and phobias, limiting beliefs, all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty astounding how much mm. progress we make in a short amount of time. A round of EFT takes anywhere between mm, five and 12 minutes, depending on how embellished you get with things. And a lot can really shift and release in that time frame. Sounds really powerful. One of the things you mentioned was sort of feeling, getting to the point where you felt like worn down or even burned out by kind of other strategies and approaches that you used to help people in, in the past. And I'm, you know, I know that a lot of the listeners have experienced burnout, have experienced feeling sort of drained and getting to a place where they're overextended. And I'm wondering what that looked like for you, like how you got to that place and sort of how you realized it was time to kind of shift and make a change. Yeah. So for me, it was, I mean, in my, in my twenties and things, like I said, I had, I had my first son, I got divorced. I had been through some car accidents before that, mm-hmm. that left me with a lot of physical injuries and things. And so there was, there was physical wear and tear and there was emotional wear and tear going on. And then I got into my, my current marriage and we had three more sons together. And I think somewhere in the point where the children started to outnumber the amount of hands I had to hold mm-hmm. them and keep up with them. I started to feel a little um, anxious. And mm. this was probably in my thirties that I really started to be able to like really feel like, okay, this is anxiety. This is what's going on. And I remember being pregnant with my, my son, my youngest son, who's he'll be six soon. Um, but when I was pregnant with him, I was experiencing insomnia for the first time. Mm. And, I just really started to wonder like, what more is there going on here? Because I've always been a personal development junkie. I've always, Mm. if I have an issue, I'm going to study up on it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find a solution. But I would know what the solutions were for things, but not be able to make them happen. Hmm. Like there was this disconnect. It was Mm -hmm. like, well, if I know better, then why can't I actually make my life like work out like this, make myself feel better, all that kind of stuff. And it was the introduction of nervous system regulation in the form of EFT tapping that really bridged that gap for me. And like, I remember like going back and like rereading books where it was like, huh, this, this makes, this makes sense, but I just can't make it work. And then like when I would tap and use the tapping along with it, it was like, I could kind of get through to like that Mm. next level. And, you know, the, the psychological reversal and the self-sabotage went away, the procrastination, Mm. things like that, that would often hold me back. And I was able to move forward. So yeah, there was a lot of feelings of just being exhausted and burnout and stuff as I tried to, you know, run my businesses from home, raising the four kids and just, it was juggling things that you couldn't really keep all the balls in the air and, um, being able to release some of that self-judgment, mm-hmm. um, self that I should be able to do all this, like, you know, mm-hmm. why can't you do more? Why can't you do better? Like, and that kind of, um, stuff and realize that, you know, Hey, I'm doing the best I can <laughs> and, um, and to find ways to kind of level up from there and not be so hard on myself. I made a lot more connection with like law of attraction and stuff at that point too, and made great leaps with realizing how much could be accomplished through thought instead of action. Mm. Because up at that point, it was always the to-do list, you know, what's left on the list? What do I have to do today? How can I knock it out? How can I get it done? It was like live or die by the to-do list that just it's awful. It's a horrible mm-hmm. 
anybody out there that's living and dying by their to-do list, like, can we talk, please? Because, <laughs> like, there's there's this like whole other side of the coin that is so much like it has so much more self-love and is so much gentler and where you actually get more done and you feel better while you do it. And that was what I was seeking. And mm-hmm. what thankfully I found. And it sounded like you had so much on your plate, which it makes sense that given that, and I know you've, you mentioned in your bio that you've experienced past trauma, that regulating your nervous system was so important. And I think so many of us live from this point of stress that we may not even realize that what's amiss is that we're dysregulated emotionally, physically, yeah. physiologically, and we need to sort of ground ourselves and center ourselves so that we can feel safe because it really yeah. is hard to learn, to grow, to make changes in our lives if we're sort of on edge and on alert and sort of like looking out for the next threat. Yeah. And it sounds like for you, like the EFT really helped you to sort of regulate and calm and ease so that some of that learning and that insight could sort of could get integrated so that it actually created change um, in your life. Absolutely. Where it used to be the cortisol spikes and the chaos and the confusion, it switched to calm, confidence, and clarity, which are like my favorite benefits. Mm. But what you said about um, people needing nervous system regulation, like most people don't even know what that is, which is like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, gosh, like from like preschool on, I wish we were instilling more of this in our our young ones that are coming up with this because everything gets put under the umbrella of like, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, but like Mm -hmm. nobody's really thinking about like where you're feeling that in your body or what's really causing it or the patterns and all of that kind of stuff. And it's not as difficult to release it as a lot of people think. A lot of people just think like, this is my life. It's stressful. It's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's your thoughts more than anything that are leading into those, those beliefs and those outcomes. And all of that can be changed. It's all so like flexible and pliable and workable. Yeah. Well, will you break down for people who are listening, who are thinking, yeah, I don't know if I know what it means for my nervous system to be dysregulated versus regulated. Like, will you break that down? Like what might people be experiencing? It's a lot of the same symptoms that you'd have with like what people call anxiousness. Mm -hmm. But I think that people aren't taking into effect that their body is such a big part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people concentrate on their thoughts and they kind of are ruminating there and they're not realizing that their body and their mind, that there's this connection that is more powerful than they realize. And so, yeah, I mean, and and sometimes when things happen that are, that are triggering for people, that's when you can notice that dysregulation setting in. And, Mm -hmm. but all of that, you've got to be able to elevate your consciousness and find that awareness. If you're going to figure that out for yourself, And that was another really huge piece of enjoying EFT for me is that maybe I would work on, on myself, like a bothersome memory or something, and I would feel better about that bothersome memory, but I'd also feel, I'd also feel this clarity and this like feeling like, okay, I've taken this layer off and now there's this new thing I can see or this new perspective that I have that I can open up to. Mm -hmm. Like, I love to describe it like, you know, before I did the work on something, it was like kind of like being in the, like the mosh pit down by the stage at a Mm -hmm. concert or whatever. And like, sure, if you love the band, you're really happy to be up close and maybe you're bopping around and enjoying everybody and it's good, but you don't have the whole picture. You Mm -hmm. just know what's happening right then and there. And maybe you don't even feel very safe there because there's so much happening and you're in such close quarters with people. 
people. And then as I do a round of EFT, I feel almost like I just lift up into like the nosebleed seats where it's like, I can see everything. I feel safe. Nobody's bumping into me. Mm-hmm. And I have a new perspective on the exact same event. Hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it really opens your mind. And because I mean, it's amazing the way that people can get like, we, we can see something as logical and then irrational, but that's not how we show up, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I find EFT tapping to be like a great place for interjecting humor. My clients who know and have tapped along with me know, like we will find ourselves laughing at the most inappropriate things. But, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just like, as you're tapping along on something and you're realizing that like, you're completely blocking the thing that you want in your life <laughs> with these mm. thoughts that you're having. Like my clients will just kind of giggle like, oh my God, this is, this is so logical. This is so rational. But like, why am I not doing it? Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of go in and figure it out from there. But at least you're taking it easy on yourself instead of beating yourself up. Yeah. I think bringing humor into a healing process is so important. And I think often the framing is that it's so serious and there are things to take seriously. Right. And like, if we can laugh at the ridiculousness of some of these thoughts, like one of the, one of the therapeutic approaches that I've been trained in, that I use is acceptance and commitment therapy. And part of what we do there is like when you're working with your thoughts that are unhelpful, you sort of can like say them in a silly voice or you can sing them or you name the the thought and then you like talk to it. And, and it's like, girl, like you always have something wrong to say. Like, why are you always criticizing me? Like if you can start to like play and be like, yeah, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, why am I listening to this voice in my head who always says I'm wrong? And always I say go left. They always say go right. How could you think about going left? Whatever. And you start to like bring in some lightness and like, this is kind of ridiculous and not judging yourself. This is ridiculous. But like, I just have to laugh at like at yeah. this because I no longer want to believe this. If somebody else came up to me on the street and said this thing to me, I would never believe them. And so let me like release it with that lightness. And we know that laughter is incredibly healing and incredibly helpful. And, you know, there's so many ways into this work is, and I think that's one of the things that's useful about, you know, EFT, right? Like that's a way in, right? Like talk therapy is a way in, There are physical modalities that are a way in. And sometimes people need to start with the cognitive and sometimes people need to start with the physical, right? Like if you are having trouble regulating your body, right? Like our thoughts do, as you said, sort of can trigger a physiological response because our mind and our, our brain and our body don't know the difference between a projection and a prediction that we failed at work and we're going to be homeless and, you know, no one will love us anymore. Like that we don't, our bodies doesn't, don't, don't know that that's not true. So we have to work on the thoughts and sometimes you need to just like take a bath or take a walk or stretch to settle yourself. And it really sounds like EFT is also a practice that sort of integrates them. It integrates the cognitive and the physical in a really powerful way which has also been really helpful for me because I have ADHD and so do many of my clients. And for so long, I just felt like I was like the biggest meditation failure on the planet. (laughs) It's just like, I can't do this thing. I really want the benefits. I know how amazing it is. And I just can't, I can now, but 
like for a while, like EFT was my active meditation and I still got mm. very similar benefits and was able to do it, but I was able to be moving my hands while I was talking and doing the thing and it mm-hmm. let me be my fidgety self and also get resolution. So, and then as I got more into it, I was able to actually calm that so that the symptoms and things were less and actually get myself into a state where I could do like traditional meditation, Hmm. not long ones, but like I can meditate now and actually feel like I'm doing it. And that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Will you talk more about your experience of having ADHD? I feel like over the last couple of years, there's been more conversation about sort of neurodivergence and certainly I think adults and like adult women who have ADHD, but it's just beginning, right? Because I think the typical sort of image that we think of when we talk about ADHD is, you know, a five-year-old boy (laughs) who is hyperactive, right? Like that's sort of the like image that people go, go to. And we know that so many adults and so many women experience ADHD, have neurodivergence. And often I think that the adult women who have ADHD, right? Like they sort of grew up probably being overlooked, right? Like it probably wasn't diagnosed. It probably probably didn't get the accommodations that they needed in school growing up because they weren't like bouncing off the walls in the same way that maybe a boy in their class might've been who had ADHD. And so I think it can come with shame. It can come with feelings of like, is this really something that holds me back? Like there's so much there. And so I just love for you to talk about your own experience and journey with ADHD and also what you found helpful to kind of bring out the strengths of, you know, what it's like to have a brain that has ADHD um, characteristics, as well as how you overcome some of the challenges. Yeah. So for me, I wasn't officially diagnosed until I was 42. I'm 44. So it hasn't been that long, but there's no doubt in my mind that I've had it like forever. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't like a surprising diagnosis. And then also at the same time as it wasn't a surprise, it was also like actually having that official diagnosis kind of felt heavier than not mm. having it. Um, mm. It's a little hard to explain, but it's like, okay. But it opened up the doors for me to be able to like try medications, which I did. And for a little while, great. And then not so much. So I don't use those anymore. Um, but it was good to be able to see the differences in trying that and how mm. my brain responded differently. And you know, I'm pretty sure, like I said, I've had this all my life. And thankfully, it wasn't ever anything where I, I don't ever remember my parents talking about me having like behavioral issues or anything like that or trying to change anything. But I am pretty sure I was fairly hyper and definitely like very go, go, go as a kid. But a lot of that just showed up in my interests and like, you know, mm. getting really, really into something and then kind of like dropping it for the next thing or like going back and forth between different activities and just staying stimulated with different things. But I personally see my ADHD as a gift. Mm. Like if somebody was like, oh, you could just, you know, take this pill and it would go away forever. and You'd never have to deal with it. I would not take it. Like I would love to keep it. I feel like I am an unstoppable brainstormer. Mm. I am very creative. I enjoy the kind of hyperactivity and stuff when it comes. Um, and it doesn't, people get a little confused. I think sometimes with hyperactivity thinking that it's always physical, but it shows up in mental ways just Mm. as much. 
Um, and I enjoy those like differences in either like having like my mind just like firing faster than I can like do anything about all the ideas that are coming. And also the other side of it when things are like calmer. So I look at it kind of like a superpower and all of my boys that are old enough to be diagnosed have it. Um, and it presents in each of them in different ways. So Hmm. it's just, for me, it's just like fascinating. It's just Hmm. kind of cool difference that we've all found ways to make work for us. And what else are you going to do anyway? Like (laughs) other other than make it work for you. So, you know, I do find that with the modalities that I use. And obviously we're talking a lot about EFT. I use a lot of different modalities in, in what I do though. But with EFT, like it's really great for helping me to slow down my thoughts, to get to the roots of my impulsiveness and things, as well as my clients. Like, am I numbing? Am I avoiding something? Like what's at the root of what's going on? It also helps with disorganization, with problems like prioritizing. It helps me to be more focused and rational. And it also helps with or time management skills, planning, things like that. I can essentially like give myself a pep talk with a round of EFT that works on my entire nervous system and allows me to show up differently. And it's also beneficial for that excessive activity or restlessness um, so that I can be more calm. I do sleep better and I can be more present. That's one of the first things I noticed when I started using tapping on more of a daily basis is that it was so much easier for me to get present in my life, which I noticed first and foremost, like my family, you know, mm. like mom who works from home with all my kids. Sometimes it just felt like I wasn't quite there or mm-hmm. in either place, whether it was with my work or with my kids and being able to really pull myself into the present moment very easily and feel fully there makes a really huge difference. Um, so there's there's just a bunch of ways, um, as well as um, it's pretty common for people with ADHD to have a low frustration tolerance. So, mm. and I will say I am one of those people. Uh, so, and with EFT, like the setup statements are always about, you know, even though I am, you know, what I fill in the blank, you know, so like, even though I'm feeling really frustrated right now, I love, accept, and forgive myself. Everything mm-hmm. is about coming to that place where whatever the issue is, you genuinely get to the point of feeling that love, self-love, acceptance, or forgiveness for yourself or others involved with, with the circumstance or the feeling or whatever else. And when you can get to that place, you do truly, truly feel better and differently about things. And removing those energetic blockages allows you to get to that. Hmm. I love that you're framing um, your ADHD as a superpower because I think, you know, so much of our framework of modern psychology is, first of all, very white and Western and upper class and male. And it is definitely framed around can you function the way we expect in this societal, like in the way that we have constructed our society at this point in time? But we don't talk about it. We don't fully contextualize the challenges and the issues in our society and in the construction of how we expect people to function in our society. So we sort of make invisible the structures and the systems and then hyper focus on any person or individual who isn't functioning or engaging in these invisible structures and systems in the way that we decide is the right way. Um, 
Yeah. And so it sort of creates this narrative of you are the problem. The individual is the problem versus, well, okay, so this individual may think differently, operate differently, engage differently. And how are our systems and structures set up such that they really only support and and allow for for this group of people, right? Like this narrow slice of people to be successful. And we don't say, well, the system is the problem. We say the individual and the people, anybody who falls outside of that kind of system or that narrow swath of people, um, we say that they are the problem. And so I really appreciate the focus on like, no, like this is a superpower. Like this is how I operate. It looks different. Like this is, this is what I enjoy about this way of being. And here are some things I have found to sort of cope with the parts that maybe are a little bit less easy to work with, or sometimes the restlessness pops up in a in a time when that's not as helpful or keeps me from being present. And so working with it in this way has been really useful. So I really appreciate you um, framing it and talking about it that way. The other piece that you just mentioned that I wanted to draw out because it's very much related to kind of what I talk about with self-worth is sort of the, even though I, whatever experience, whatever challenge, I still love, accept, and forgive myself. And those are actually kind of the core components of my framework around related to unconditional self-worth, right? So we talk a lot about self-forgiveness and freeing ourselves from past mistakes, failures, challenges, talk a lot about self-acceptance, right? And offering ourselves compassion and letting go of the judgment And then sort of loving ourselves, allowing ourselves to be loved by other people, right? So I love that that's kind of the phrase um, Mm -hmm. that you use in your work and the alignment that there is with kind of the the work that I do with people around, you know, their journey to embracing their unconditional self-worth and moving through each of those pieces on a deep level. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about that love, acceptance and forgiveness. That's for sure. And that's just how you set up the, the beginning of the round. And then what I love with EFT is that once you've got it set up and you're starting to tap through the different points, that's when you get to focus on all the negative feelings, you know, mm. the ones that nobody usually wants to hear about and they want us to just like move past and get over. And, you know, we have all this toxic positivity and everything else, but with EFT, you get to like fully honor and vent and, you know, you can be as childish or whatever as you want to, as you just express how you actually truly feel in that moment. And that's what allows you to get to the place of genuinely feeling a different way. Like if Mm. we don't weed the garden, we can't plant the flowers and expect them to grow. They're just going to get overtaken by those weeds as they come back time and time again. But if we can get to that root cause, if we can let the things out and, and really allow things to transform, then we actually can feel differently. And with EFT, it's, you know, it's scientifically proven. There's hundreds and hundreds of studies out there about its efficacy. And when you do get to that root problem, then you don't have it come back again. And that's something that most people aren't used to. They're used to, you know, talk therapy and they talk about something, they feel better for a little bit, but then something triggers them again down the road. And there they are back with those same feelings or those same issues and having to go through it all over again. So being able to really, you know, weed that out once and for all is is pretty valuable to people. But, Mm -hmm. and also it's a great band-aid kind of tool also, you know, like if people don't have the time or the know-how or, you know, the ability to hire somebody to work with on this, then 
you can use this in the moment to, you know, take the intensity down and feel better, but that doesn't mean that it won't come back again also, you know? So, but we also would never deny ourselves a bandaid if we had a wound. So using things in the moment that help us cope better and regulate and feel better so that we can still show up differently, even if it's going to happen again is Mm -hmm. still super valuable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that you talk about and you help people with is sort of owning and taking responsibility for their own well-being. And I I think it can be easy in the world that we live in and with the challenges that so many of us face to fall into sort of a victim mentality, right? Sort of fall into life is happening to me. There's nothing I can do about it, right? All of that. And I'm hoping you can share a little bit about what that looks like and why you think it's how you help people to take, you know, ownership of their own well-being and why you think that's so important. Well, at the heart of it all is calling back our power. You know, yeah. if we're in a state of victimhood or if we're blaming other people and we don't want to take responsibility for the way that we're feeling and our own well-being, there's not a whole lot that we can do to change about change where we are, how we're feeling, our circumstances, any of that. We are in a state of powerlessness. And we we give our power away in a lot of different ways. You know, I always say like, it's kind of like thinking about like a battery on like if you're a phone and you have a battery and you're giving away part of your power to the past and some bothersome things that happened or whatever else. And you're giving away part of your power to the future because you're future tripping or you're anxious or you're worried. There goes that. And then here you are sitting in the present moment and you only have a certain amount of that battery left. But the problem with that is that you can't be in the past and you can't be in the future. The only place that you can be and have any power is right here, right now. You know, just you and me having this conversation right now, it's the only place I can do anything. And um, so I want to have my full power right here sitting, talking to you so that we can have the best conversation and I can be present with you and we can make this count and matter. So calling that power back by, you know, cutting some of those energetic cords and resolving those things and bringing yourself present makes a huge difference in being able to take responsibility for your own well-being. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, this piece of being present, you were mentioning that earlier, you know, I think people don't realize that they miss life, right? Like you miss life when you're not present, right? And yes, not being present can help you to avoid temporarily some of the challenging emotions that may come up in the present. And you also miss the positive, right? Like when you're not present, you also miss the lovely moment with your child or with your partner or fully enjoying your favorite dessert that you're eating or whatever it is, right? Like so often we're sort of zoned out, not really present. And, you know, when we sort of are present and can embrace the richness of life, like that's when life feels good. And the other piece is we tend to sort of create stories going back to what our mind does, We either worry about the future or ruminate about the past. So even when we're not present, rarely is it that we're sort of always in a fantasy land, imagining ourselves on a beach, you know, like looking at the ocean, enjoying the sunshine. Right. Right. Like usually we're pulled out of the present worrying or ruminating or something. So we're missing the present moment. We may be avoiding feelings that it would be best served if we just like process them and release them. And we also miss 
positive moments that make life feel really good, which sort of leaves us always feeling like I need something else. I need something else to make my life feel better. I need to do something else. I need to go on another vacation. I need to, right? And we don't feel sort of content and at peace with how our life really is. What, what would you, how would you speak to that? I mean, you just said it. <laughs> Everything you said, I'm like, yeah, yep, yeah, that's, that's it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's so funny because the thing that I always get faced with, and mostly from my kids, is always like, like when I'm asking like my, my oldest son or whatever to plan for something or, you know, to prepare for something, he's like, I just want to be in the present moment, mom. Like, <laughs> it's like, it kind of like wax you, but like you have to, you have to plan and you can be a present person planning, you know, and embodying the intentions and the feelings that you want to have moving forward, because that's what brings them to you anyway. But so just to say that, like, being present doesn't <laughs> yes. mean that you can't plan or be responsible about upcoming things. Um, that's part of being present, because then as you get to those things and they approach, you'll be able to more fully enjoy them because you spent that time preparing. But yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's everything. And giving giving away our power prevents us from it. So yeah. And what I would add just to that planning is that it's important to distinguish between planning and worrying because what a lot of what what people do is they worry up until the event, right? Like I'm having a wedding and I'm worrying, is it going to be okay? Is it going to be together? Is it caterer? Worry, 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 right? And there is kind of a fine line between planning, like actually saying, I'm going to set this big event, this big trip. Let's say this big trip is coming up and I need to plan out, you know, like the flights and the hotel and make sure we have the transfer and make sure, you know, I have Google Translate on my phone and make sure I understand the currency and really whatever it is, right? Like I am going to plan out the logistics of the trip and here's our schedule or whatever versus having this worry in the back of your head for the weeks, le- what if we lose our luggage? What if we don't have this? What if we don't know the language? And what if we, and what if we don't get the trip? Right? Like there's a difference between those things and it is really helpful. And sometimes the anxiety can be your clue that you need to sit down and plan. Yeah. And then you can release the anxiety. You can say, okay, I I've covered my basis. Right. And so sometimes we think worrying is going to help me prepare. Worrying does not help you prepare. (laughs) Planning helps you prepare. And that can be done without the worry and anxiety. Yeah. I mean, worry becomes this cycle where you just create more and more of the thing that you don't want because, you know, what you focus on, you create. Mm. And the things that you do become habits. And those neural pathways can get some pretty set grooves going on. And then the nervous system begins to feel safer in that upheaval and the exhaustion than it does in the peace and alignment that you would get from actually planning so that you can be present. Um, so it's like you're hopelessly striving for it, but you feel so much more, <laughs> you don't feel at peace, but you feel more familiar and comfortable in the discomfort. So finding a way and nervous system regulation helped me do this to welcome in those new feelings that I really, really wanted, you know, uh, and not feel like they were a threat makes a big difference. Yeah. And I think you were actually talking about this very thing in my group coaching program yesterday, 
one of the members was just saying, I um, realized that my set point is stress, that I've been stressed since I was a kid. And I like operate from this point of stress and I don't even know exactly how to shift out of it. Right. And obviously we started talking about that, but I think it's really important to remember that, that like there is actually a physiological thing that happens when we get used to stress. And we say that because then it's helpful. It's easier to give yourself grace, right? Because then instead of being like, why do I keep doing this to myself? Or why do I keep like, instead of being like, ah, shaking the fist at yourself, you can say, Okay. Right. Like I did it again because it felt more, I felt more used to the chaos and the stress and the last minute energy than I did. I felt uncomfortable with the idea that I might get everything done ahead of time. I didn't know how to sit in that. I didn't feel, I felt like my mind started saying, you're missing something, something's wrong. Right. Like, and so I didn't know how to sit with it. And so I pulled out into the procrastination, into the last minuteness. And all you can do is recognize, get yourself some tools. EFT could be one of them, right? Coaching or therapy could be another to choose differently next time, right? And it's not about beating yourself up, but it's about saying, okay, this is going, like I have to rewire my neural pathways. And if I'm going to rewire my neural pathways, I have to do something again and again and again. And for some people, this may be thinking about what are small moments when I create chaos, when I could start to shift. So maybe it's getting ready and getting out of the house in the morning, right? Like maybe there's a small way you could shift like, okay, I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier, or I'm going to take my shower at night or like small shifts instead of going for the like, well, we're going on a three week vacation to Europe and this is my time, right? Like this may be your time, but let's start with something that feels more manageable and doable and like get you into the rhythm of like, okay, so that felt nice to leave the house, not rushed and to know that I'm, you know, on my way to work, you know, going and I'm probably going to be on time, you know, that right. you can start with those small shifts. Absolutely. Cause I mean, it's all about your own resistance really at the end of the day. And I love that you know, with tapping, we can clear that resistance like down to a cellular level and just really release those things because we're usually just standing in our own way. We're just mm. usually like blocking all the stuff that we want to come to us. And when you can learn to kind of identify and feel that resistance and release it, it feels really good. You know, and like you said, those baby steps make it a little easier because when you go up against a whole wall of resistance, it just feels like, feels like this wall of awful that like, it's like, well, how am I going to possibly do that? Like, do I climb over it? Do I go around it? Yeah, maybe I can make a door through it. I don't know, but it's, it's a big wall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation and I am sure that people are going to leave this um, episode feeling like I, I want to learn more about EFT. Like, I don't like, how do I understand this? How do I try it out? And I know you have a free resource to offer. So will you tell um, the audience about the resource and how they can access it? Yeah. My recommendation when people are learning about EFT is to try it because it's one thing to hear you and me talking about it and the science behind it and why it works and everything else. It's another thing to actually think of something that actually challenges you or that you feel that you'd like to be able to transform and to do it. So I have this really cool, I call it an ebook, but I think that confuses people because it's full of videos and podcasts. Um, <laughs> 
not necessarily just words. And it's called The Private Sessions. You can get it by going to theprivatesessions.com. And it is full of all different tapping rounds that I have done with other podcast hosts and great uh, episodes also talking about different aspects of this kind of therapy and other things that I do. And that's a free resource. And you can also get a lot of information at my website, which is just my name, TeresaLearLevine.com, uh, access to my my free community and everything else from there. So those would be the best places to check out if you're wanting to learn more about emotional freedom techniques or the way that I use it. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Teresa. And we will link all of those things in the show notes. So check the show notes. Um, if you're looking for those resources, it sounds really like a rich resource that's going to be incredibly helpful for people who are learning about tapping. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insight and wisdom with us. Thank you, Adia. I really appreciate it. I love what you do. And just the idea of being unconditionally worthy was enough for me to be like, I really want to <laughs> talk to you on this show because that's that's so worthwhile. And all the things that I've heard you talk with other guests about are just so important for women, especially to understand. And I appreciate you getting those messages out there. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me this week on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Make sure to visit my website, dradiagoodin.com and subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Adia Gooden. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Lastly, if you found this episode helpful and know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please share it. Thanks for listening and see you next episode. This episode was produced by Chris and Tiana and the music is by Waterboy.